Well, good morning, and welcome to Church 214, and we are in our, our Brain Game series, and uh, if you're like me, I really hadn't seen any of these episodes beforehand, so I had to go back and watch a few, and uh, it was interesting going through the process, but I, uh, it, it was fun too, and, and I have gotten to see how God has led us again, once again as a team, and we didn't identify what topics we're going to talk about. But I've seen through this process again and again where God's got this. He's got this set up for us, and all we have to do is step into it. And if I could take that thought and our, take our worship this morning and put it into your brains to live out the rest of your life, I wouldn't have to talk at all, okay? You would get it. You would get changed you would worship him and you would step into his direction daily. And that's all it is. But we're not that simple to work with, so <laughs> I'm going to preach. All right, so two weeks ago, Kip uh, started off with, with uh, the series with the, the God brain. And he pointed out the mirac miraculous nature of our brain. And I think it's fascinating. And then he got into the fun stuff of math. And uh, there's this concept he presented that we're here, the odds of us being here, this one to the 10 in 2,685,000, and I was listening, um, to that power. And, and all that means, you don't need to get the number, just means that we're not here by chance. We're not accidents. We didn't just evolve and all accidentally get here. It's more than that. It leads me to believe in this understanding that God is real that he has a revealed truth and it's supposed to somehow affect the way we approach life. It should impact our worldview. And I use that term a lot, worldview, because I want people to think about why they do what they do. But what's it mean? Well, I'll call it perspective. It's, it's how you understand the world around you. It's a set of beliefs or a philosophy that you use to make decisions every day. It, a simple way of saying it, another look at it is that ideas matter, that your perspective of the world matters. And this tied directly into Chris's message last week on perspective, it was titled perspective. And your reference point or your perspective drives all your decisions and even your reactions. And that's what I wanna get into today is your reactions. Now there's a lot of great stuff in both those messages and I'll encourage you to go back and listen to those podcasts as you listen to my message and then look forward to next week's because uh, they really do tie well together. So this week is from season three. It's um, episode five, and it's called Stress Test. And we're going to talk about stress. And like I said, if I could take the worship aspect and your dependency on God every day, I wouldn't even have to talk about this stress, how to handle it. But we're going to talk about it. So let's come to the Father again. Lord, <laughs> This week has been overwhelming, and it's amazing how you have preached to me this week and my family. I ask that you open hearts today, you speak through me, and bless these words that they'll fall on fertile ground, that they will grow and you will nourish them and bring them to fruition, that we're a church that's better prepared to follow you, that we're individuals and we're families that were better prepared to step into the work that you have for us. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. All right. Game time. So I tried uh, to get legal authority for uh, a clip from one of the seasons, and I won't even go through all that. It was really interesting, but I, I don't have the clip, so I'm gonna have to describe it to you. But I do have a picture 
uh, of a game. I don't know if we have the clip. Yes. Is anybody familiar with this game? It's called Perfection. And it's actually kind of fun. But um, basically what it is, this, this box, and you have a platform that goes down and it's locked, it's spring-loaded, and holes for each of the spaces. And you can see there are 25 different uh, little pieces and you try to fit them in there within 60 seconds. And if you don't get it, it pops up and all your pieces are scattered around so you lose that turn. So for this episode, this comedian Ben Bailey interacts with the people, the players, and in the first group, he causes disruption. He, he interrupts them, he's condescending to them, and he gives misguidance. He says things like, what is wrong with you? While they're trying to figure out the pieces. And he goes on, he says, oh, there's no way you're gonna get this. You might as well give up. And he's even messing with the pieces while they're trying to find them. So he creates, it, creates this negative uh, vibe, this negative atmosphere, and it causes them stress. And you can see it, you can visibly see them stressed. And then they bring in another group of individuals and they each of those players, when he comes in and he talks to them, he uses encouraging tone and these words of encouragement. He says things like, hey, you're doing really well at that. Or, oh, don't worry about that time, or you got this. So in that sense, he's creating this positive, and he re actually reduces their stress level, and they can focus more clearly. And the di difference between those two groups, the success rate of the first group when he was causing disruption and stress was a 20% success rate. So some people did get the, the game. But with the positive encouragement, the success rate went up to 80%. So if we take that and apply it to our life, if we can limit those negatives in our life or put them in their place, if you will, we can control our focus if we put them in our place. So we have control over this. The host, Jason Silva, says, there's no way to eliminate stress from your life, but you need to have some ways to reduce it or to deal with it. And I completely agree. All right, so I mentioned the name of this episode was called Stress Test. If you hear the term stress test, I think most of us normally think of a cardiac stress test. And that's a diagnostic tool used to measure the heart's ability to respond to external stress or how it does respond to stress. And usually it, it includes walking on a treadmill at a brisk pace and then we add some stress to it. So you add an incline, you increase the incline, makes it a little harder, or you increase the speed, making your muscles work harder, which stresses the heart. And then the key is to, to measure that. How, how does the heart respond? What, what, what goes on physiology-wise? Well, the result is then used to uh, help determine the health of the heart and then to prescribe any necessary medication, any counseling or lifestyle changes to increase the heart's ability to withstand stress. This process of assessing our stress levels and adjusting to them fits very well with what we're doing in life. We've got some measurement tools, we've got some guides to use in measuring the stress in our lives and then how to handle it. So in this Brain Games episode, they talk a little bit about um, this physiology of the brain and specifically the amygdala. And I think we've got a couple of pictures because I love the body and we need to know what we're talking about here. So in the, uh, these couple pictures, they're a little bit different viewpoints, but um, the amygdala is down deep in uh, above the brainstem there. And 
it's part of the limbic system, part of what we normally think of as automatic responses, but a lot of this is, is not just all automatic. Uh, the, there's the amygdala and then the hormones it secretes, their cortisol and adrenaline. And you guys are familiar with adrenaline because people say things like when your adrenaline kicks in, well, this is where it comes from. And then the reaction is usually labeled a fight or flight response. So we either run, hide, cower, or we fight back. Sometimes that comes out in, in positive tones and sometimes it's negative. It could be just anger and yelling and nothing constructive. I picked up some description here from Wikipedia, so bear with me because it really does go with the message here. The amygdala is an almond-shaped gland located deep within the temporal lobes of the brain. There are two amygdala, one situated in each brain hemisphere. They're involved in the processing of emotions such as fear, anger, and pleasure, and more. But the way it works is the amygdala causes a chain reaction of signals that make their way through the body. And this, these signals are through adrenaline and cortisol, and they cause an increase in heart rate. They cause an increased awareness or focus. Now studies have shown that the amygdala, this, there's neurons that they can trace through there that the, they're responsible for fear conditioning. And this is really where I want you to, to listen. This fear conditioning is an associative learning process. So by doing some process or being put through some situation, you learn a response. Okay, and a lot of times they picked it up with fear, but it's significant, this idea of conditioning or training. In other words, through experiences and outside influences, we're trained to respond in a certain way. And this can be good training, it can help you get through stressful situations, or it can be detrimental to the point that a person can't even function. Like there's a certain situations come up and they just shut down. They can't even go anywhere. Or maybe they, they do well up to a certain point and a certain level, they stress out. They can't handle anymore. They can't, their brain, their muscles, nothing else functions. There's an aspect of this that I, I'm sure we can relate to the Bible, but I, I need you to remember we live in a fallen world. There's negative influences all around us and they're gonna be pressuring us to act or react in a negative way. So we can try to change this by limiting the change or changing these to more positive influences. There's the idea of conditioning our brain to not respond in this negative way under stress by changing our environment or our support system. So we talk a lot about church as our support system, our family. This is key. It's huge right here in how we handle stress. So I have to ask you right now, What's your support system like? Do you have positive encouragers in your life? Or when I ask you that, do you automatically think of the people in your life that are negative and bringing you down or all have all these excuses? I know that you think of somebody either positive or negative when I ask you that. Maybe this is where you need to begin. I don't know if these scriptures will help you at all, um, but there's a sentiment here I'm trying to capture and I wanna emphasize the potential for renewal. I want you to pick up on, with God's help, this conditioning as training can happen. And it's simple, you guys all know it. Um, Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I don't have to tell you all that David was going through, King David was going through, but at this point he was low and he needed God to renew him and bring him back a new way of thinking to, to forgive him, but then to change his way of thinking. 
Uh, Romans 12.2 also, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, it's not just activity, it's activity with a purpose. We can use God's word to discern what is good and use that in our daily decisions. And this is where I kind of have to, I have to be careful because I don't know how everybody's going to take this. I don't know where everybody's at, but I'm going to be leading down a path that makes it sound like you have, if you just have enough faith, this is going to work out. But I'm not going to say that. I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> there, there's hope and God is real. Um, this stuff isn't a game. It's the hashtag, the struggle is real. The pain, the suffering, the... <laughs> The, uh, the struggle of life's pressures, they're complicated when we respond negatively. So if we can change the way we respond to this stuff, the way we think about it, put it in perspective, put it back in God's eyes, and then we live accordingly, there's hope. So we need to be active in this change that we're asking for. So I don't want anybody to walk out of here today feeling guilty or depressed because you think I'm saying if you have enough faith, you'll get better at this and have less stress. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you have a church that will come around you and support you and, you, and help you gain that perspective and worldview to trust God and, all, and know that he has a purpose for you and then to walk in that. And when these stressors do hit, because they will, to learn to give him the weight of it and then to take one step at a time, one day at a time with an attitude of growing. So are we okay with that? Okay, this is all gonna be positive, this is good. All right, I wanna to go to a picture or an image of the cross to describe stress in our lives. Um, so if we begin with the upright, and I want you to just focus on that for right now, this is you. This is your relationship with God. Now I'm assuming you have one, but you either have a relationship with God or you don't. And if you have one, it's either getting stronger or it's getting weaker every day. The cross is universally recognized as the symbol of Christ dying to pay for your sins. And it makes you righteous. And that word is huge. You have to have this righteousness because then you can be in God's presence and you can't be in God's presence until then. God cannot be in the presence of sin. It's not like it's an inability of his. It is his nature to be sinless. So he, it can't logically be, you can't be, in sin and in his presence. So Christ came, he paid for that, it's done. And I'm not saying that flippantly, but when that day happens, he's paid for all the sins. So now you can be in God's presence. So here we are and we have this relationship with God and we are in his presence. And this is where we deal with stress. This is from that point on is when we deal with stress. So from there, every, every day you're either growing in your relationship with God or you're living on your own, trying to hold this all up. And that's gonna mean more here in a minute. Counting on your own efforts and this relationship with God is weakening. Okay, so this is the basic of the upright. It's an ongoing growing relationship. And as you grow, you get stronger, you get better trained, you're prepared more. You see, God has work for you to do. And he's just waiting for you to get to that point. In Ephesians 2, um, I like eight through 10, but I think I put verse 10 up here for you. Uh, we are God's workmanship. 
we're created in Christ, we're renewed, we're a new person at that point, and we've got a new ability to go through uh, because of our relationship with God. And it's to do good works that he prepared beforehand. So he's got this ready for us, and we just gotta get on board with them. All right. Now that leads me to this transverse bar or this, this crossbar. This is your relationship with everybody else, with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, your neighbors. And for the sake of time, I wanna really get to the stress part. Just living this life carries with it stress. So you imagine you're that upright bar, your relationship with God, and you're holding this great big wooden transverse bar. It's got weight on it because gravity's always pushing on it. So you just start out with weight in life on this bar. You need to be strong. Imagine you're the upright, you're holding this transverse bar, hopefully you're on firm foundation. You may not think about it, but there is a foundation under this cross. There's a foundation under you where you stand and it has to be firm. And we're talking, I, I could go on for days about the examples of unfirm or shifting foundations, whether it's the family, whether it's our government, the institutions that it's trying to rewrite and redefine, um, whether it's people not, you know, changing definitions of words that we've used for 300 years in this country to mean something different. And I just could keep going, I have to stop. <laughs> I like that math is certain. I like that gravity is dependable. And God is that way too. He has some truth and it's dependable. If you don't believe that God has defined what's right and wrong and how relationships are to work, then you're gonna have an unstable foundation. Now, the stress on the upright comes from the weight of the stresses added to the crossbar. I want you to think about keeping it balanced. You've got these two sides on each side. So think about all the different relationships. You've gotta keep them balanced with its family, its work. You've got to keep those balanced. Now imagine adding the additional potential stressor of family. And I don't mean that family is bad. I do not mean that at all. It, it's our whole purpose in life is actually to raise a family. That is the core institution God designed. And it's a platform for spreading the gospel of Jesus. But family can add stress to your life. Allow me to give you an example. If you remember June of last year, I was blessed to give this message on love with my beautiful wife, Sherry. And, uh, there was a part of the message where she set up a scene to describe our circus, if you will, at home. And, and it went like this, and this is Sherry speaking. Mary Ann stopped by our house one afternoon. And as she drove down the lane, the boys rushed in from helping the neighbor chop and clear wood from a newly felled tree. I was in the kitchen and she walked in followed by three of the boys. Michaela was also in the kitchen making a smoothie. Luke immediately started talking and veered towards the pantry, looking for something to eat while he was cradling his ball with his lacrosse stick. Tucker hopped on his unicycle and was pedaling all around the kitchen in the dining room, trying to impress Marianne with the distance he could ride without holding on to something. <laughs> and then Hank grabs his most recent art project and he started to do cartwheels back across the kitchen to where Marianne was while he's moving over in and out of Tucker on the unicycle. So Marianne still, she's just walked in the door. She hasn't even sat down. And then right behind her into the commotion walks Jack. 
and he's got blood streaming down his forehead because he got hit by a wood chip from one of the uh, from the tree when they were working on it. So Sherry says, now I not only had to clean and assess the wound, does it need stitches or glue or, or will just direct pressure help it in prayer? And she also noticed the time and since the last few minutes seemed like hours, uh, started to give direction for a couple of the boys to get ready for their baseball game. So if you think backwards, I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I enjoy reading that now, but it can be stressful at the time. All this is coming. It, it's a snapshot of what happened in our life, but it's a great example of how the stressors can build. They can start, and before you've processed this one, the next one piles on, and then another one, and then another one, and then a big one. You know, there's some immediacy when blood's running out of your head. And uh, <laughs> all this while, you know, the, the normal pressures, you've still got your crossbar, you've still got baseball games to get ready for and some dinner and snacks and all that to plan for. So there's a normal amount of stress anyway. Okay, now, and don't get me wrong, it's great to have visitors. <laughs> so picture this crossbar and adding weight to it. You gotta keep it balanced. Now this is when the amygdala is kicking in and your physical and your mental and your emotional reactions beginning. So you have to ask, what's it gonna be? Are you gonna you know, look at this cross? How's your foundation? How, how have things been going with you and God? Are you feeling guilty, run down, or are you, or are you more on a high? Because you know that he's got this. How about your health? You know, there's a physical aspect to that structure. Every day you've got to get up and function. And when you can't because of physical ailments, it adds a stress. You know, we've got to keep on top of that. Are you emotionally okay? You know, I took one snapshot and described it, but what else is going on in your life? Do you have a lot of other emotional stressors? Or is this just the tip of the iceberg, this little bit here? Will it be fight or flight? Will it be pray for peace and trust God as you make one decision at a time to get through? You really have to do that. So let's take, break it down a little bit more. I talk about that in our family, and I don't want you guys to all use that and measure against your family because Sherry and I have been married for 20 years at this point. We had had those five children in our household. We were actually kind of in a way trained for that moment. You know, for that mixture of stressors, we were ready for them. And Sherry handled it magnificently. This is the way God is. He's, he's designed us, and I don't mean for the fallen world because he didn't want the fallen world, but he designed us to function in this fallen world and able to handle this stress with his help. So back to the upright, with his help. And Jesus giving us guide, guidance on the relationship piece. So he designed us to be in relationship with him, to grow more and more like Christ in our relationships and with the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're gonna say to me now, but the stress is so difficult sometimes, and it's overwhelming, and I agree. I don't know what else to say. I empathize, I agree. But we've got God and we've got a purpose, so we've gotta go farther, we've gotta keep going. We need to separate the stress from the stressors. We need to give the weight to God. The work is still there, but there's peace in the work. And then there can be additional stressors and you've got to come back next week because we're gonna talk about this. 
There's other stressors like trauma, there's disorders, there's imbalances of hormones, and they can tend to, to lead you into having negative thoughts and therefore negative reactions, which then adds another level of emotional stress. And I'm not gonna go into all that right now, but this is where we need to be able to take a moment. We need to take a day, sometime, an hour a day. We need to regroup, we need to reorient to God and regain our perspective. We may need clinical help. We may need counseling or some other help to manage the stress that we incur because it's coming. And uh, like Heather said, the more you do what God is wanting you to do, the more you're going to get attacked. 2 Corinthians 10, and this is just an awesome passage if you use it in the right way. Uh, and I, I actually have taught a whole class on just this one passage, but it's, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. And I'm talking to you right now about weapons that are not of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we're in relationship with God and anything that comes at us that is not of God, we take it captive and every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we can handle this with his help, with his guidance, with his leading. These strongholds are things that, and ideas that prevent us from growth and from trusting in God. By taking these thoughts captive and giving the pressure to God, we're better able to prepared for life and the stressors Satan will use to trip us. Then we're ready for God to move us to a better place. Maybe not with fewer stressors, that's not what this is about, but definitely with less stress. Okay, remember back to the game? I wish you could have seen it because this would mean more, but when there was negative statements and all this performance was hindered, focus is lost and failure was, the failure rate went up. So we've got to really work hard at being positive encouragers for each other and finding positive encouragement for us. We're all familiar with Ephesians 6, and the armor of God, and I'm not gonna put it up here for you to read through it, but um, remember in that passage, the schemes of the devil, this is the whole armor of God passage. There's the spiritual forces of evil. There's then, then our, our armor our, that we put on, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes fit for the gospel of peace, our shield of faith. We gotta rely on that. We've gotta put our stress on that. We've got our helmet of salvation, our sword of the spirit, knowing the word and using it, praying it back to God. And then praying all the times back to our vertical relationship with him on the cross. When we take thoughts captive, we apply God's principles and his promises. He makes promises to us, grab those and use them. And then we put on this whole armor of God. We're able to resist, to push through, to overcome these stressors. Let's get motivated. Our body is designed to fight, but we've got to fight it in the right way. The reaction from the brain, from the amygdala, will drive a performance, and then the power of the Holy Spirit will be in our lives physio physiologically. This is fun when you get to know this. Okay, now for the others of you that are thinking, I'm just up here talking, and you don't believe this stuff, let's go back to Chris last week when he gave his message, and, and he talked about Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, I'm just gonna review this quickly for you. God's put Elijah in this ministry, which he begins to 
he, he announces a, a drought. You know, he gets to be the bearer of bad news. And this drought's going on. Well, while it's going on, Elijah's got to eat and drink. So God provides for him miraculously through the ravens. And then later on, through this widow of Zarephath, who had nothing, but she had enough. And that's what God provided for Elijah and her family. And then he goes on to, let's see, I lost my notes here. He goes on uh, to battle with the prophets. And there are 450 of these prophets of Baal, another 400 of the prophets of Asherah. And if you read that, and I don't want to miss it, but I don't have time to go through it all, but it's an amazing way that this fire rains down, proves God's right, and Elijah gets to be the guy, that, the, the megaphone to announce it. Well, then after all that, um, Ahab goes and tells Jezebel. And I won't even go into what that's all about. Uh, don't be a tattletale. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is uh, Jezebel comes after him. He thre she threatens his life. And then we pick it up in verse three. He was afraid. This is in 1 Kings 19, verse three and four. He arose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, where, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. He said, it's enough now, O Lord, take, me, take my, away my life for I'm no better than my father's. So Jezebel threatens him and Elijah's reaction is fear. His first kind of thoughts, he's afraid. So he flees. But I want you to go back and remember, Elijah had just lived through, he'd been doing the work of the Lord. So there should be some confidence in that, you'd think. And he had spent years experiencing God work the miraculous. I mean, these aren't everyday answers to prayer. This is, God defending who he is and what he wants. And, and Elijah gets to be a part of this. He's in the presence of God through all of this stuff. He gets to see it firsthand. But I want you to get how his reaction goes. So, so I want you to take that he's not, I'm not labeling bad for having fear and exhaustion and wanting to flee. What he does is what he was trained to do. We'll all have these stresses in our lives, but he takes even his defeat and hopelessness to God. His natural trained response was to turn to God with all this. Even when he wants to quit, he's asking God to take him out of the show, but he's going to God to do it. And that's what I want you to get out of this whole message as our perspective has to be oriented to him only. So Elijah was able to sleep because God gave him a place under that broom tree, he slept. And then an angel woke him up and fed him. So God provided his food for him. He's sleeping his food. And then he needed more sleep. And God woke him up again and fed him some more. And this is where we need to get. When he refreshes us, it's not just relaxing time. He's ready to listen to God for the next step. And, he, and yeah, there's a lot of noise around and the mountain and all the wind. But he hears that still small voice. And God moves him then, fast forward to his ministry, turning it over to Elisha. And that's an example for all of us. And I wasn't sure how to wrap this all up. And I've kind of pointed you to next week because we're going to get around some deep stuff that we need God to help break in our lives. But for right now, I want you to remember these songs that we, pray, we sang this morning, these worship songs. For let us also have hope in turning to God first. 
Let us work to have positive influences and be positive influencers. And let us live like we know of his unfailing love and that we will not be shaken. Just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.